Everyday peacemakers are not professional humanitarians. We are everyday people who are learning to see God and ourselves in others. We're daring to step off the road of comfort and immerse into reality. In the face of injustice, conflict, and violence, we are choosing to contend not by getting even, but by getting creative in love. Everyday peacemakers are everyday people who are embedded within a world divided by difference, and these are our stories. Welcome to Everyday Peacemaking, a global immersion podcast hosted by Haley Mitsui, John Huckins, and me, I'm Jer Swigart. And as always, we're gonna ease our way into this conversation with one of Haley's questions of the week. Hi, everyone. Hello. This is Haley Mitsui, Director of Formation for Global Immersion. And I'm joined here by co-host and co-founding directors, Jared Swigart, who always has the best moves. I went away, wished that this was a vlog. He's soaring um, like an eagle right now. <laughs> and John I'm judging Huckin. him with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you usually are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and today we forego the question box, although you did still hear me rattle it because I feel that it's really necessary. Um, we forego the question of the week for a very timely and personal question from me, Haley Mitsui. And um, deeply serious. And like deeply this is, serious. Yeah, this is no joke. Uh, because yesterday I adopted a dog, a little rescue pit bull. Uh, he came with the name Danny DeVito. Danny and DeVito. I, at first I thought it was really funny because it is. And then he's really small, but it's not quite sticking. I've tried calling him Danny, and it doesn't totally stick. So my question of the week is, what should I name my dog? Uh, now, can I ask, this is this is Jer here. <laughs> is this a serious question, and will there be any consideration given to our responses? In if this they're moment? good, yes. I truly don't know. I mean, like, Brad and I have thrown out, he's thrown out Mr. Petunia because he thinks that's funny. I really think the dog gives off sort of pig vibes. It, he kind of looks like a pig. <laughs> he snores and he kind of makes piggy noises. I, but I was trying to think of what famous pigs are and it's like piglet, nah, babe, no. You know, so I, I, I truly am very open-minded. What's Charlotte What's Webb's, name? Charlotte Webb's pig? Wilmer. Wilbur. Wilbur. That's kind of a good name. Oh, Wilbur. That is kind of a good name. <laughs> another another idea, uh, another idea, uh, two. One would be Ron, the second. <laughs> <laughs> because what you have to consider, and the, and the second would be Popeye. Popeye could be a good oh, name. Oh, I can see but, that. He's pretty muscular. And what you have to say, what you have to consider is what does the what does the name sound like when it's Scream. Screamed at a dog. Because if park. you have a dog, yeah. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be at a park and you're gonna have to scream Ron. <laughs> I mean Ron's a good Ron is a good one. Especially I did love the character Ron from Parks and Rec. So that feels that also strong contender. I would say in the comment section, for those of you who are listening in, <laughs> what's the name? What name would you recommend? There's two choices now, Wilbur or Ron. Wilbur John Ron, got one. Or Mr. Petunia. Mr. Petunia. I like I like Wilbur. I also like Barry. Yeah. I think Barry's like a Barry. strong name. There's something seasonal about this pup. You know, it's it's a winter sure. right now. What if it's a rotating name? <laughs> WSSR, winter, spring, summer, fall. Sorry. <laughs> WSSF. And each, you know, at, over the course of ten years, the kids the dog's gonna know when his name changes and you're going to line him up with like moon cycles, weather patterns. Uh, <laughs> I think it could be 
really this special. Is, this is the future of dog names. Yeah. Is that uh, no. refuse to choose? It's more of a theme. It's more of a dog theme. How yep. did you, how did you land on your dog's name? Buster? Oh, yeah. but well, Buster Posey, our favorite Giants player, catcher. Oh, classic. Obviously. Real deep and profound. Obviously. But now, if I had a second chance, I'd go WSSL. <laughs> and we would be seasonal. <laughs> December yes, 21st, we kind of articulate why his name's about to change. You're going yes. from fall to winter. Because what, what you need is more chaos. <laughs> <laughs> because he already doesn't understand his one name. Yes. So give him four. Exactly. I'm sure it'll go well. Okay, you guys have given me much to ponder. You know, I'll keep I'll keep us all updated on the status of this unnamed little doggy. But make a real hard left turn. We're going to introduce our our guest this week. Her name is Catherine Hannah Schrock. She's a dear friend of mine of Global Immersion. So get ready as we venture into this conversation of just the profound impact of art and what it means to integrate art and peacemaking. I am thrilled to acknowledge and to thank one of our core sponsors of the Everyday Peacemaking Podcast. It's an organization called Respero. They're committed to making safe, life-giving conversations available and accessible to everyone. In short, they offer free counseling and support in those that want to get trained in counseling. And I know for me, this has felt like a uniquely rough year, but if we're honest, uh, every year has ups and downs if we're seeking to fully live towards wholeness. And for me personally, one of the central lifelines I've had is to be in regular counseling, tending to my heart, my head, my soul, aligning values with actions, creating space just to get stuff out that can often fester inside and tear me apart. So it's been through Respero and their counselors that I've had access to this type of deep care and accompaniment. So if you're personally in need of a counselor, wanting to grow, uh, or just get trained in being a counselor, check out Respero. Dot org, where, again, they offer personal counseling at no cost. They offer online courses and workshops. And they have counselor training if you feel compelled to actually grow in this way yourself. In the end, Respero's goal is to have more and more healthy and healing conversations happening in our world. So check them out, Respero.org. I am very excited for this conversation because something that I love about the everyday peacemaking movement and love about this particular podcast is that peacemaking in the everyday manifests itself so differently for different people. Um, and, and we get to little windows into that in each one of these episodes, but you in particular have just such a beautiful expression of peacemaking. Um, and I would love for you just to introduce yourself, um, and, and a little bit about how your heart as an artist informs the way that you, um, your peacemaking presence exists in the world. Thank you. I would say uh, for as long as I can remember, my peacemaking practice has been theater, though I didn't always know it to be so. I am an applied theater practitioner, which basically means that I, I do theater with a, a social intention or to build community or for development of some kind. And I work on and off stage with, with people, with actors around uh, storytelling I'm also the co-founder of Blind Spot Collective, which is a local theater company in San Diego that's dedicated to illuminating the stories of people on the margins and using theater as a way to really bridge disparate communities together. I experienced my own transformation 
with theater at a young age when I was, I would say before high school really, but sort of officially in high school. And I have been curious about how theater can be a means to really help us grow and understand new aspects to what it means to be human. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's been the journey that I've been on for, for um, a really long time. I consider it very much an exploration. I think as artists, we're used to meandering. And so it is a meandering journey. And I've done some of it also with, with TGIP. We're really grateful to be on the receiving end of some of that brilliance. Um, well, I'd love to hear, I know that that blind spot has been working on a few projects over the last year that feel super relevant. And I'd love for you to share just a little bit about them. We can dig in to each project a little more. Yeah, um, I can share about two projects in particular that I think are very relevant to the moment. Um, so uh, one of the opportunities I think that I have as a, as, a, as a theater maker, as an artist, is to be um, responsive to the moment, you know, mm. to, to, to a sort of, in some ways, um, look around and, and, and look at what's happening in the world or in our environment and, and sort of um, get curious about what, what can be done to either reflect the moment or to, to support in healing or responding to the moment. So this past summer, you know, obviously we, we are currently in a, in a really challenging time. We're in the midst of a pandemic um, and that has essentially put theater to a, to a halt, live mm-hmm. theater, in-person theater. But we, as a as Blind Spot Collective, as a as a company, and me as a practitioner, I felt really compelled that now more than ever we need opportunities to to create connection and to actually bring people together, even though we we can't be. But it just means we have to think outside the box a bit. So we had this, we had COVID to deal with. Um, that was one factor, and, and also you know, and I know this is something that you all care a lot about as TGIP. But there have been and continue to be major political and social divisions. Mm-hmm. And so there was also this question of like, what can we do to be a part of mending that divide, if you will, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And and again, we got curious about how how theater, how art can can do that. There was also uh, this past summer there was the major kind of, uh, resurgence of the BLM movement, um, which was really the a culmination of a lot of activism that has been happening, especially youth led activism over the last several years in response to gun violence and gender um, inequities and so on. So after we lost John Lewis as well this past summer, what a year, huh? What a year we've, we've been in. We decided with all those factors in play to create a play called Good Trouble, which as probably your listeners know, comes from a phrase that John Lewis coined that he, saying that it is necessary to get in trouble in good trouble. And so... Yeah. We actually named the play even at the beginning of our process, um, and what we devised was a verbatim theater piece, which means an interview theater piece that was all about youth activists and the work, uh, really not, not so much the work, but the perspectives that they have about social justice and about injustice in the world. Mm. So we interviewed over 40 young people, Generation Z activists, 
and then uh, you know the process of this kind of theater making is that you use their words verbatim to really honor them, to honor their perspective. Mm-hmm. Youth are not um, often given you know a voice in that in that kind as the experts. You know they're mm-hmm. they are a marginalized voice, or they're not always considered to be the most credible source. But they mm-hmm. were our our lead source. But again, it's, you know, to, to be responsive to the moment and with all the things happening, we felt like we needed, we needed to continue to layer in other aspects of performance to meet the moment. So we brought on musicians, um, composers, as you know, Haley, and I know Brad, um, music is an incredible energizing source. It unites people. Um, and so we, we brought musicians and added a kind of a musical theater aspect to it. Um, our musicians also happen to be old church folks. And so there was also, it it really had like a praise music vibe to it. You know, our truth is our truth and we walk in our power and we walk in our truth. That's like one phrase that we, that would be repeated and repeated. And so that repetition for me had, had a real kind of contemplative feel to it too. Mm. So then another thing is that, you know, in what makes the thing theater, it's art. Um, it's a radio play. It's auditory. But what? But we needed it to. We wanted it to be theater too. We're theater people, and we believe in the form. And again, we believe in connecting people, bringing people together. So, so um, the live and in-person quality was and could only be our audience. The play was an auditory play with music, but we hosted it as a a, a musical performance protest where audiences got together in public parks. We invited them. It was a free show, public parks, to sort of to experience the play as a kind of protest um, Mm. and to embody and to embody gestures of solidarity, like throwing their fists up and even singing along with us out loud, performing a die-in, a lion, there was a character that I created in the play too to sort of host the play in a way that that we call we called him the the revolutionary and we also call him the reverend because mm. we we saw his role as as a person who was really calling us into the soul of activism you know a lot of people see activism as oh you know the angry protesters and all all the violence that these youth have been part of but they were part of John Lewis's movement which you know everybody expresses it in different ways but we wanted to make sure that our audience didn't miss the reality that this is a movement of love this is a movement about fighting for equity and belonging and equality for all human beings, dignity for all human beings, you know. So so I created this poet, this, this spoken word poet that would invite audiences into the soul of activism and really cause them to reflect on their presence. We are here together, and, you know, life and the sacredness of life. And mm. so those were sort of the parts. And, and I felt like, you know, the, just the piece of bringing people together to experience it. Uh, they put their headphones in and they experienced it as a protest play, but as, as a beautiful way to learn something, to hear from the voices of people and to experience and embody beloved community. I love it. I want to go back to something you said that literally it just landed so resonant in my body, which is that the poet he, he represented the soul or he helped convey the soul of the movement. What do you think it is about theater or about art that 
enhances that soul? Or why is it that we miss that soul part of a movement so often? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, I think that there are, there is only so much we can do with our words. Mm. You know, we teach, we discuss, we listen to the news. Um, but artists, you know, with with music, with slanting our words, right? Poetry is 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 words, but it's words with slant. Mm. Sometimes it has rhythm, or it calls into sort of an otherworldly, parallel way of seeing things, or a new way of seeing things. And we have a way of storing or structuring stories in that we invite a new imagination for what could be, right? We all, we, are, we, we all know what is, or we have our own sense of what is. We are alone. We are isolated in this time of pandemic. We are afraid. We are divided mm-hmm. <laughs> more than ever. Mm-hmm. But theater and stories and the artist and the poet, we can call people in to a different reality, to what is possible. And what I believe to be God's kingdom come on earth, it's not just what is possible. It is what is. It's just that we have to feel it or we Mm. have to sort of see it with new eyes, you know. Oh, that's so good. I'm curious, too, like when you all were were in this formation process of this piece and you it sounds like there's a really definite consensus that this can't exist in isolation. This can't just be an audio music. There has to be an in-person element to it. What is so important in theater that makes that connection and that in-person element so critical? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, you know, and that's, that's kind of also the sad and distressing part because we, we, we really in this moment can't do it to our, you know, our heart's fullest desire. Um, But we, we cannot deny the, the you know, we can listen to a story and we can be doing the dishes at the same time or kind of multitasking or, um, you know, as we take in a, a radio play or, a, or even a movie. But um, you cannot deny the presence of other human beings. Mm-hmm. And to be and, and in the case of good trouble, to be listening to a story, but to be able to look around at people, which we invite people to do in the midst of the play, we say, look around, go ahead, look around, make eye contact with each other, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you can't deny the, the physical reality or the physical humanity of people to see someone smile when you smile at the same time as a show, you know, mm-hmm. or in a moment in the show um, or to experience a story uh, and to have, you know, as 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 non-traditional theater makers, we really believe that that actors can look into the eyes of the audience, right? Like that when we're telling stories, we look around and we look at people, we break the fourth wall. In fact, we invite them to come in to the play <laughs> with us, <laughs> you know, and on, on other projects, but yeah, including including Good Trouble. So yeah, just the undeniability of of being of of our being is just so clear in in theater, um, and and there is no, the focus is, has to be entirely on that when you have the people there, telling the stories um, with you, um, around you, or or that you can experience that with an audience. Yeah. I love hearing about the innovation around around how do you bring theater to, to this time where we have so many regulations and so many restrictions. Mm-hmm. I had the great 
joy of seeing one of your plays last year, Safa's story. And I think there's so many beautiful peacemaking themes in there. I wonder if you could just give us a little bit of insight into the heart behind that particular play. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that one is, is also one of my favorites and one that I consider to be so deeply an action and a restoration play. Mm. Um, you know, this style of theater of Safa story is called Forum Theater, and it's always based on true stories or a true story, which that piece in and of itself becomes a hard one for audiences to escape. This is true. This is real. Yeah. Right? And the story is about conflict. It's about a, a, a girl who experiences um, the tragedy of losing her friends and becoming isolated because of a, a particular peer who wasn't able to accept her for because she was different than others. She's Black, she's an immigrant, she has a name that he can't pronounce. And so we, so the audience experiences Safa essentially going through this tragedy and it ends tragically. And that's very intentional. A lot of theater, you know, kind of traditional theater, uh, when the play, the play ends and it's a happy ending and there's catharsis and we're all mm -hmm. happy and, uh, and, it, and, and essentially what that does is it creates inactivity. Whereas mm. this, the audience is restless, is uncomfortable, is sad, sometimes crying at the end of the show, which, by the way, it's it's for all ages, but but our primary audience is um, children, late elementary and early middle school, um, so that we can provoke the audience to say, "You didn't like that, did you? You didn't like how that ended?" Well, guess what? That's what that's how tragedy looks in the world. That's how conflict. That's how suffering. That's what that's the impact of oppression. But we can change that. We can change that. And so we ask the audience, was there something that could have been said or done differently that either the central character, Safa, or her peers that might have been able to, to help change that ending, to restore that ending? And then, um, and then we have a process of role-playing where we invite audiences into the play. They replace an actor and they practice things that could be said or done differently. And, and the actor responds um, through improv. Uh, they improvise back to them, you know, uh, until they find solutions, things that things that could have worked. If I would have said this, then then Safa would have maybe wouldn't have had such a hard time with him in that moment, you know. But the other thing to me that I feel I, uh, is is really important is that we're not trying to demonize any one character. We don't want to elevate Safa and put down Ryan, you know, who is, who is the, the character, who is the, the central oppressor, bully character. The point is that we want all people to receive wholeness and restoration and justice. And so we ask the question, why, how did he get that way? Why, is he, why, why does he say and do the things he does? And we mm. take him through a, a restorative justice conversation where they mm. get to imagine, you know, maybe he was hurt. Maybe he's sad because he just moved here. Maybe he learned that from his parents and he doesn't know any other way. He does, he's never been around black people mm. um, and doesn't know how to act or is um, self-conscious about it. Um, so that process, too, says, hey, he can be restored even as this enemy. She can be restored even as a victim. Mm. All can be restored. And we're going to practice that now. We're going to create this safe space for us to practice that. Do you have any stories and, or, um, cause I know you've traveled around and gotten to, to do this play with middle schoolers. 
middle schoolers mostly? Yeah, el- late elementary and middle school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and have you seen have you seen how it changes the way that the students interact with the story or or how, what are some creative ways that they have taken the story into a new direction? Yeah. So actually, uh, one of the more memorable moments. So first of all, yes, and all the time and so many, you know, every show Mm -hmm. basically, and we've done the show, uh, you know, over a hundred times, but actually near to where uh, John and I live, because we co-own a home, is Sherman Elementary. It's just, just half a block away, you know. And I'll never forget this this girl who was really quiet. She was she was one of the younger grades in the room too, but she she stopped the play, which mm-hmm. is what we asked them to do. And she entered in and she replaced the friend to Safa. And we are trained not to not to sort of like just give kids a token of like oh good job and now we're gonna because you said this everything is going to be better we're Mm -hmm. really trained to take it seriously like based on what she says and does we respond Mm -hmm. and because of just the courage she had and the strength in her voice in protecting Safa she actually orchestrated bringing Ryan into the scene and <laughs> and having him and explaining to him what he did and, and how it hurt Safa and saying how Safa wants to be his friend and that we can all be friends, but you have to apologize because she's hurt. You know, this kind mm. of incredible, like, peacemaker, mediator role. And and then by the end of the scene, you know, she was in there for a, probably a good five minutes. Um Ryan and Safa shook hands and and decided to be friends, you know, and, wow. and, and like I said, it, it was really all her work, you know, it was her, it was her strategy. It was her, um, her wisdom, you yeah. know, that, that made that happen. So. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I feel my eyes getting misty and I love the bravery of just the, the littlest one in the room standing yeah. up and showing everyone how, how to love how to bring that restoration. Catherine, thank you so much for sharing these little windows into your theater practice and into the way that you're bringing people together and teaching restoration. And I love what you said, how artists show not just what can be, but really show what is and the, and the good that, that is that we are further than we think we are sometimes. So I love that. Thanks for leaving us with that encouragement. Yeah, thank you so much. It's fun to talk about it. Yeah, I I believe deeply this has everything to do with uh, the work of peacemakers. You know, Haley, I thought that you did such an incredible job setting that conversation up, uh, reminding us again that everyday peacemaking, um, it it shows up in myriad ways, you know, and uh, and to, to listen to an everyday peacemaker who's, uh, who is so savvy in, in the art of theater and not just not just theater as in performance style, but the kind of theater that actually intends to transform people's lives uh, is, is such a unique expression of everyday peacemaking. And so I was I was listening into that conversation, thinking about the tool of art um, as a, as a means for everyday peacemaking. There's a couple things that, that popped in, in light of that for me. One, she talked at one point about being responsible, that, that art 
uh, is unique in that it helps us be responsive to the moment. It helps us to reflect or to respond or to heal. Uh, she talked a bit about um, how prone we are to be dependent on words and ideas and trafficking thoughts back and forth with one another. But there is something about art that seems to speak to a different part of the human soul and um, gives us the opportunity to un unwind, be undone, and maybe remade in, in, um, in the duration of a song or in the duration of of a play or in the time it takes to, to, to truly sink into and, and observe deeply a piece of, uh, of art, you know? And so it just struck me this, all of the different ways that broken things are remade. It's not just political advocacy. It's not just protest. It's not just reading better literature. Um, it's not just uncommon friendships. It's all of those things. And it's also the the artisans and the artists and the taking in art and allowing ourselves to be transformed by it. All of that is, is a contributor to this. But I also like, it's almost like art and in all of its forms dares us to metabolize harder things. And, and what I mean by that is, is like, I, I've got to, I've gotten to be in the audience during Safa's story and, and to, you know, as she explains Safa's story, there is no such thing as an audience. We're all actually a part of the experience, you know, but, but watching that, it's like, you're, you're dared to consider really deep things that you might be resistant to if you were reading it in an, in an article. Um, and that's the power of art, right? Like there's, there's a prophetic edge that's offered in all forms of art, song, visual, theatrical, and anything else that, that dares you to metabolize a really, really challenging idea. Um, but what I love about what Catherine does as an everyday peacemaker is that she's not interested in just simply telling a good story. She's, she's interested in inviting all of us to live a better story as a result of it. And I think that that's the essence of art. I think it's invitational. It invites us to live a better story. I could not agree more. And, and something I was just reflecting on as, as she was sharing is that I transformation is difficult work. Um, and, and I, I feel like I often hear, or maybe sometimes say even like, you can't, you can't legislate your way to equality. You can't think your way to equality, but you would have to read 1000 books to have the same level of transformation as one meaningful moment or interaction with art. You know, like there's just, there's something it speaks at a different level, at a different frequency that unlocks some part of our being that just knows in a different way and in a more transformative way. And so I love what she's sharing. Um, I mean, the way that she shared about the young girl, the elementary school student who stepped into that Safa story and totally rewrote it that was a moment of transformation for I'm sure her, but then everyone who is watching so much more than, than if you would have read a book about conflict or resolution for elementary school students or something, but the way that knowing can be embodied through theater and especially through the way that Catherine talks about theater is remarkable. I've gotten to see it firsthand and 
it has a way of, of, of transferring knowing in such a deeper way than, and than anything else I've seen. I love that. Um, she talked about art theater in this case, inviting us into what's possible. And then, and then we heard her talk about it in connection to the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is a reality that is both a future reality and it's a present reality. And, so art isn't just about having us imagine what could be. It's really about waking up to what is in so many ways. And I, I love the way she talked about that and, and that vision of restoration, not just being some impossible future, but restoration being the potential of a, a present reality. And I, I just, you know, when she, again, Hales, you mentioned the story of the, the girl at the end. My kiddos have all been to that Safa story. And it was so profound in that it exposed the deep pain of human reality, um, but it made restoration that much more beautiful and real and even accessible. Rather than just having a fairy tale that has some kind of pseudo restoration, what she's inviting us into in this art form is actually the journey through conflict, through pain, through injustice, to experience the beautiful redemptive reality of restoration, which is what the kingdom of God feels and looks like. And, and Seeing the way that even impacted my kids, the way it forced them to emote, the way it allowed them to get angry, the way it led them into the protagonist, antagonist, and where do they find themselves in that is just a, is an, is a gift uh, that everyday peacemakers like Catherine give the world, that, that those of us use different forms of communication. Uh, we desperately need that part of our, our brain and our experience to be activated. Catherine, thank you so much for showing us how the beloved community is already here and how art and your work in theater allows us to see it more clearly. So friends, God's restoration is underway. Go and participate in it and know that you are not alone. For more information on the work of Global Immersion, visit globalimmerse.org. Music in this episode was by King's Kaleidoscope and The Eagle and Child. This podcast is produced by Global Immersion and Adventure Vision Productions. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your excellent podcasts.